Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Marketers, with the end of the third-party cookie fast approaching, it's important to assess what you know about the new solutions being developed. In the latest Institute for Brand Marketing course, Marketing in a Cookie-less World, learn how this industry change may impact your business and how advanced technologies like AI can serve as an alternative to cookies. Designed in collaboration with IBM Watson Advertising and Adweek, this complimentary course offers lessons that take approximately 10 minutes each to complete. Get started today. Visit adweek.com forward slash IBM to get started. That's adweek.com forward slash IBM. You're listening to Yeah, that's probably an ad. This is the Adweek Podcast. We talk about marketing, media, technology, pop culture, because in the end, everything is an ad. I'm David Greiner. I'm the creative and innovation editor with Adweek. And I'm Ko Im. I'm the community editor at Adweek. And today we have joining us for our last working Friday of the year. Uh, we, we record this podcast on Fridays, and we are rejoined by our marketing and social media manager at Adweek, Julian Gamboa. Hi, Julian. Ta-da! It's me. Hi, everyone. Hi, Cohen <laughs> Griner. <laughs> Julian comes in hot. Uh, great. Julian, um, everyone knows you, so I'm not going to bother introducing you, but if you don't follow Julian, then you're not on Twitter, but uh, he is... Uh, what, remind me again, is uh, Julian Gumbo on Twitter? Yeah, it's Julian Gumbo, mostly because my teacher at the time in sixth grade couldn't pronounce Gamboa. So I was like, let's just stick with it. <laughs> so uh, so it became a brand. Um, but uh, Julian, as I think we mentioned last time you were on the show, uh, is just an icon of community in the marketing world. Has uh, I can't tell you how many times I've talked to people who work in social media marketing or just in marketing in general who like 90% of my friends I met through Julian Gamboa. Um <laughs> And so uh, congratulations, a big year for you of, of bringing everybody together. Thank you. Yeah, no, it definitely has been an awesome year and have met so many more friends. And Twitter is just a delight to go through now rather than like how 2019 was. That's true. The uh, marketing Twitter community is has been super strong. Um, thanks to you, Julian. I've been able to connect with some people too. And just really glad, you know, in general to be... Um, friends and coworkers with you yeah. and David both. 
Oh, thank you, Cove. Same. Oh, thank you, Cove. And uh, yeah, I, I we're going to be talking today about kind of a look back at social uh, this year. Uh, Julian obviously has a close eye on this every day. Uh, Co mm-hmm. and I are also both kind of addicted to social in our own uh, sometimes healthy, sometimes not ways. And um, I think we just kind of want to talk about some of the trends we saw this year uh, because it was obviously in a year where people could not see each other in person uh, safely. Uh, social media really filled a lot of gaps. And, and I think I kind of wanted to start there before we get into the corporate stuff is just to say I've been on ad Twitter. I mean, I've been on Twitter since uh, 08. And, um, you know, ad Twitter kind of evolved into a certain thing. And I don't necessarily think it was always a good thing. I, I, I think I'd even argue it was often not a good thing, uh, that it could be occasionally toxic. It could occasionally uh, kind of perpetuate uh, certain negative aspects of the industry. All that really changed over the last year. And I'm kind of curious to get your takes on it because um, to me, the thing that changed was just that these thought leaders, these pundits, uh, often kind of self-appointed or, or aggrandized by the industry, you know, they just really had nothing to offer this year, right? It really showed how inflated their kind of beliefs and their opinions of themselves really were. And when push came to shove and you had this really kind of catastrophic year and a year of complete chaos and and rebuilding from scratch and having to solve things in real time, I don't think those were the people to turn to, (laughs) you know, for for guidance and, and advice. I think it was this emerging generation of of marketers and agency creatives who really came to dominate uh, agency and marketing's uh, kind of circles on Twitter. Uh, Julian Coe, what, what do you get? What did you see this year? Yeah, uh, so I completely agree. Back then, when I was a student, I think I even told it on Twitter recently. Um, at Twitter was scary. You know, you felt like you often didn't have enough of the expertise or the years behind you to like back up even a single tweet, and it was just a scary place to put your platform uh, to put your ideas on because you 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 don't know when someone would counterpoint whatever you said right so as a student i was i was often just like scrolling through retweeting whatever griner tweeted at the time and <laughs> thank you for not blocking me after all those years by the way and i did the opposite of blocking <laughs> <laughs> so i mean it was for me as a student, LinkedIn was definitely the platform, um, mostly because there's not much of a back and forth in that platform. And that's what I told students at the time when I, I used to teach a class. It's like people still care about your perspectives, regardless of however many years you have behind you. So the student perspective is super important. The the Gen Z, as we've learned, super important. And I kind of pointed them in the way of LinkedIn. But now... I point them on the way of Twitter because Twitter is where all the conversations happen. It's it's literally their slogan. So it's um it's been a great way to you can just tweet out at whoever's doing the social of a particular brand you want and you you can get a reply back. Where before those like thought leaders that kind of dominated Twitter were just like you never got a reply out of them or or like they just tweeted as a, like a one-way street which is not what we're seeing in 2019. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, LinkedIn being that kind of one-way conversation, that trickle-down effect. And I feel very lucky to have joined 
the marketing Twitter community when everyone felt very supportive and inclusive. That being said, um, I have also noticed, you know, a little bit of cancel culture creeping in through. So those kinds of, um, you know, big wigs that might have been looked up to before, um, they might be more uh, criticized. Um, but overall, I think it's been um, a great year to see people actually talking to each other instead of at each other, uh, which which is great. Um, so I think we'll get a little bit into that, David, about, you know, how these social media managers are responding um, to not even people in the marketing community, but to, to their consumers. And before, you know, you would just hope that somebody might notice or somebody might even see your complaint. And now they're like, you know, actually acting on things very, very quickly. Yeah, I think one that uh, we're not going to get into too much because as we record this, we are also recording uh, our our social guru, Jess Zafaris, could not be here because she's recording a special uh, episode of our Social Confidential interview series with uh, McDonald's and talking to them about their social strategy. And that is a brand I've been watching for, you know, over a decade in social media and just being like, what a missed opportunity. You know, what a gigantic – the brands don't get any bigger than that, right? And and it's like it's like when you think mega brands, you think McDonald's, you think Coke. And both have kind of always been pretty much asleep at the wheel of social. Um, no offense to the people who've worked on the, the social accounts. I, I don't blame them. But it's just there was no heart. There was no soul. There was just a lot of like, you know, these kind of bland messages about we should care about people. Anyway, buy some stuff. And um, now it's just much more real. McDonald's really came into its own this year. Uh, Coke struggled. Coke had a lot of struggles this year. But McDonald's really kind of developed a, a great social voice. I think their partnership with Wyden Kennedy New York, which led to the Travis Scott meal uh, and led to a bunch of just kind of tonal changes for McDonald's. Man, they have they have cranked out just some great tweets. Uh, <laughs> it feels weird to be like, really good point there, McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so have you guys uh do you have any thoughts on the mcdonaissance of of their twitter presence oh goodness mcdonaissance i love it um you know not only did they uh if listeners will remember uh come out with the mcplant which is really not called the mcplant <laughs> um but we're just making up cool words here um but you know the way that um they'll poke fun at themselves it's become a really personality driven humor risk account you know there was one tweet about um poking fun at its own software machine that's like always broken um so i i think it's a great way to um i hate using this word but be authentic um to the truth of what people are talking about and and that's like being part of the conversation well Julian. there's one that that julian i think will be kind of a good set up to a larger conversation here. This is the one where McDonald's tweeted, it's always, when is the McRib coming back? And never, how are you doing, person who runs the McDonald's account? <laughs> and I feel like that's such a great example of the kind of meta, uh, the, it, the Stakeum effect, really, is what it is. You know, Stakeum for the last three years has been really injecting a lot of meta commentary about what it means to run a brand account. Why do people engage with brand accounts? What does it say about us as a culture? What does it say generation, generally, generationally? Um, 
But yeah, I mean, it, Julian, you've been kind of right on the front lines of this humanization of brands and getting to know the people running these accounts. I felt like that tweet was so emblematic of, of what corporate social became in 2020. Yeah, definitely. And I think the, I, I don't want to say what put McDonald's in the map, but what put McDonald's in my map was their tweet that said, can I get a, like that? It's, <laughs> we've all been there, right? And can I, I think a lot of, a lot of brands are doing that. They're placing themselves in in the shoes of the customer and like rather I haven't I was telling someone that I haven't seen aside from Wendy's but any any tweets that involve money like they don't have cost prices or anything it's just like funny tweets about the culture about uh, the consumer culture within that company and stuff like that that I've seen not just in, in fast food chains, but everything from like Xbox to like John Deere, Sour Patch Kids, like all of these amazing brands have just really fused into what it's like to not actually be their own customers and speak like their own customers. And you can say you can see this by the way that how many brands have been tweeting the word I like to talk about themselves rather than like the company or whatever. Like even us at Adweek, sometimes we do that. We say like, like uh, when we post memes and stuff, we, we drop a we, we drop an I, and it's really been something that we've seen in 2020 a lot more than in 2019. Just remember, if you see something come out of the Adweek social feeds that, that really offends or upsets you, uh, that's Julian or Jay-Z. <laughs> um, if, if, it, if you find it really enlightening, that's from me. That's me, Dave Griner, sneaking in to tweet that one. No, it's uh, yeah. I, I agree. I think Adweek has has kind of, thanks to Jess Severus, uh, thanks to Julian, has really kind of helped reflect this trend by being a part of it, uh, being humble, um, but at the same time taking pride in the community that we build, in the community that we speak to and reflect. Um, and, and I think, too, that McDonald's tweet about, you know, even though it was half-joking about it, but it really did reflect the mental health conversation, the mental well-being conversation uh, that brands are finally feeling comfortable. I mean, to joke about it shows a certain level of comfort, right? That like, that you're not scared to broach the topic of mental health. Uh, Co, this is something you, you've always been a wonderful advocate about. What did you really notice in that space this year? I, I noticed a lot of um, brands and kind of the people behind the brands um, owning up to the difficulty of the year and um putting more emotion and relatability into messaging. And I think that's um, honestly like a public service because, you know, we are having, we are in a global pandemic and it is, you know, causing um, exacerbations of an already broken mental health crisis. Um, so, and it's not going to end tomorrow, right? So, um, I think brands are really cognizant of um, the realities and not sugarcoating anything or playing with toxic positivity, as some people have come to to know. Um, so just um, using humor without being um, uh, mean, without uh, being fake um, and, and too too trying too hard, I think. Julian, you're nodding a lot. <laughs> No, yeah, definitely. I've seen a lot of tweets from brands just uh, like it might seem out of place. And I, again, the the biggest one is Steakums that while you, you expect them to talk about frozen beef, 
they're here talking about mental health, about like uh, your rights and stuff like that. So I think it's a much needed break um, that it's not just consume, consume, but it's all, there's also you're also selling to people. Right. And those people have their own things going on. I think the weird not to like it feels weird to talk about myself in this in this vein, but like one of the one of the recurring comments I got off and on throughout the year uh, which is I take as high praise, absolutely. But it's also kind of an awkward thing is when people thank me for my vulnerability uh, because because I'm just kind of a wreck on Twitter. You know, I'm just, I, I try to be uh, honest and just unfiltered. And just like if I'm feeling, uh, I mean, I try to turn everything into a joke. Uh, humor is my defense mechanism <laughs> for everything. <laughs> but like at the same time, I just think it's all right to just acknowledge that you know, we're all dealing with a lot. We're all busted in our own ways. Uh, but every time I get a compliment like that, I, it really does mean a lot to me. But on the other hand, I'm like, well, it's not like it's tactical. It's not like I ever sat down and made a brand strategy for myself where it's like, I'm going to be borderline <laughs> like just <laughs> like off the rails <laughs> with my dumb sense but, of humor. But I mean, like, see, like that something like that is like wonderful um, because... For me, like I've, I feel like I've been kind of um, doing that for many years, and I've been hearing that. But to hear people who are outside the direct wellness space, um, you know, be a part of that conversation and have the the EQ and and um, the avenue to express um, whatever they're feeling, whether it's gratitude or just humility, I think that's wonderful. And you, you do bring up something about you know, kind of maybe not going with a specific strategy and having a long-term laid out plan in a time of uncertainty and really responding to what's in the moment. And I think, you know, you can't end the year without talking about TikTok, um, which, mm -hmm. you know, you mentioned I might unhealthily be on a lot. Yeah, your <laughs> but, content's um, like super uplifting. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I love it. Um, it's been a great boost of um, serotonin for me. But, you know, when you we talk about some of the big uh, ways that brands responded, um, we, we can't um, not mention the ocean spray uh, TikTok that went viral, um, but also more recently, um, the really nostalgic and very sweet Cheerios commercial that is being updated because of a user comment. And um, Julian knows this, but Cheerios did not really have an active TikTok presence um, before this blew up. And um, uh, our colleague uh, wrote about how this all came together and um, somebody saw it on the team and they got together and had a real-time strategy meeting basically the next day or two. Um, and they got into production with um, Griner. Do you want to kind of give the the promise to the Cheerios original yeah. Cheerios ad? Well, yeah, and I and I think this is to your point such a good example of something we saw over and over, and 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 ties into the ocean spray thing too, which we can talk about more. But like, essentially, the original ad from 1999 was a grandma who, if you watch Stranger Things, you may remember as the nice lady who has rats in her basement. Um, that's that's the same actress. But she played a grandma with a baby, and she's, like, describing how the family is kind of spread out all over the country, and she's using the Cheerios as examples, uh, and the baby keeps just wanting to eat the Cheerios. It's a classic ad. Honestly, in my head, I thought it was from, like, 1985 uh, because, it, A, 90s TV footage looks like it's from 1985, uh, and, but also, like, 
in my head, it's just such a classic ad and just one of the best ads uh, I've ever seen. It is the Cheerios ad when I think of Cheerios. And um, so, so, yeah, this uh, woman, uh, Bruta TikTok, sorry, I don't have her name handy, but it is in our article, and we've embedded the original TikTok where she created TikTok saying she, she made herself cry just by coming up with the idea for this <laughs> rebooted ad. And then she's like, General Mills, hit me up. Let's make this happen. Uh, and as Co mentioned, they had kind of this... Uh, uh, strategy meeting where they decided which of their agencies uh, could jump on it. Uh, the original ad was from Saatchi and Saatchi. Um, this time they uh, gave it to an agency called Martin Williams uh, in Minneapolis. And they, yeah, they just knocked it out pretty quick. I mean, finding the older actor was easy. Finding a baby? <laughs> you know, it, like, it was a baby in 1999. Turns out she is now a student at Georgia Tech. Uh, she's, I think, 21, 22 years old. And so they found her, got her in the ad. They paid the TikTok creator. Good on you, General Mills. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's just a really spectacular thing. But I, I, I think this idea of brands having no presence on TikTok until they get dragged on there, and often not for a bad reason, uh, but Ocean Spray, that that's exactly what happened there, right? Right, Julian? Like, they... You know, uh, Dogface420 made uh, uh, made this uh, video drinking uh, cranberry juice, and then everyone just sat there waiting to see, like, how will Ocean Spray respond? <laughs> I like to joke about that. The reason why it took Ocean Spray so long to, like, release an answer is because, because of the DMV, because of getting that truck. Like, that's why it took so long for them to respond. But... No, yeah, I agree. A lot of brands have been <laughs> somehow rushed into TikTok just because of, of the talk that there's going on about them that you wouldn't even expect. Uh, one of my favorite brands on, on TikTok is Arby's. And I don't know if you've kept up with what Arby's has been doing, but basically it started out with this one TikTok user. I don't want to call him a kid. I think he's like a teenager, but he said, like, my TV, they sold me a TV and it only plays this channel. And it's legit the the Arby's menu. Yeah, right? Like so someone it's one stole of a screens. menu board. <laughs> yeah, so he stole it. And so the exchange has just been like, yo, can we get it back and stuff like that? And he's like, no, like, stop, Arby's. And then Arby's and kudos to Jimmy Beck, who's managing the team there, I think. He, they flew a plane in front of this kid's house, well, teen this person's house and it said like something along the lines of we want the tv back and he's just <laughs> it's just like an ongoing feud and there's like a mystery box involved that i really want to know jamie if you're listening please let me know what's in that mystery box but i mean like that brand has been doing super well tinder i don't know i i don't follow tinder on tiktok but if there's any like tiktoks about relationships or like hookup culture or stuff like that like Tinder is there with a comment and it's not necessarily selling anything, but just their presence is like brand relevancy. It's really good the way that they're doing because I haven't blocked them. So it doesn't feel like like they're selling anything and they usually have really, really good memes. With the end of the third party cookie fast approaching, it's time to assess how your business may be affected and explore new methods for targeting advertising and media measurement. Take the first step with the Institute for Brand Marketing, designed in collaboration with IBM Watson Advertising and Adweek. Our latest complimentary course, Marketing in a Cookie-less World, is made up of four short lessons designed to help you navigate a changing world. Visit adweek.com forward slash IBM to get started. That's adweek.com forward slash IBM. 
Uh, I feel like uh, we also, you know, it's a it's a really interesting lens to look at Burger King in 2020, right? So Burger King starts off the year uh, with on this massive winning streak, right? They've been setting records at Cannes every year. They're just like unstoppable. Uh, Whopper Detour, you know, kind of really cleaned up at Cannes last year and, and all the award shows. And everything they do is just like made of gold. And then sure enough, they come into 2020 and they've got uh, Moldy Whopper, which, uh, you know, <laughs> consumers I think didn't necessarily love or, or even understand, but advertising certainly loved it. Um and and it's all anyone could talk about is is I think it was our most read story of the year, um, and uh, but then the quarantine hit and I felt like Burger King kind of not to say lost its stride because nobody really knew what they were doing but I think it highlighted some yeah. of the weaknesses in Burger King's strategy that it was a little to your point about how some of these brands have have done well this year by not talking about price points promos but also just like their brand strategy was like. We we're here to kick McDonald's in the nuts, you know, just over and over. And it's not like I have any sympathy for McDonald's, but this became <laughs> a year where you don't really want to watch anyone get kicked in the nuts, even a mega capitalist brand, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. And actually, I've stopped. I don't know what's going on with Burger King's uh, social because I haven't seen them on my newsfeed in a while. Like they used to they used to lean into that kind of like weird creative twitter culture that started in 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 like 2019 and i've just been seeing mcdonald's tweets you know so i don't know if like how much they've been putting out is getting hidden but yeah i definitely have been have been seeing more um mcdonald's and on that point um although we haven't really seen we, we've seen good stuff from from burger king this year but just not as like 2019 level stuff i think and on social, it's I think it's certainly like l- lowered a little bit. Um, but I, I I have liked their their recent campaigns that are where they shouted out. I I, I don't know if it was in France or, or where it was that they shouted out like local restaurants that do need like people's business. So that I kind of really digged on how they they went the the lo- support local businesses route. Like we're a franchise, we're good. Support local businesses because they have it rough. So. I, I appreciate that they switched their efforts from like bullying McDonald's nonstop to like actually use their platform for good. Because like, honestly, even after the pandemic, even after like all restaurants are open again, I would still love to see that from Burger King. I think that's like corporate social responsibility, you know, like that's that's a, a good note on, on their on their list. And, yeah, I, I, yeah. I think we talked about that last week with uh, ads of the year because we named the order for McDonald's. Uh, as one of our top ads of the year, which was the the one you're talking about. Uh, and then they extended it. I can't remember if this had already happened when we recorded last week, but they launched a new iteration where they donated their Instagram stories to other yeah. restaurants. That's um, what Yeah, and like that, it's such a good example. A, a little late, but yeah, it's. Uh, I think... <laughs> I don't think Burger King is going to stop punching McDonald's, and nor necessarily should they. But we saw something similar with Wendy's, right? So, like, coming into 2020, Wendy's is just one of those iconic brands uh, in social. They're famously salty. Um, and that tone, I didn't need it this year. I didn't need people just being like, hey, you suck. Like, yeah, no, everything sucks this year. And, and so Wendy's kind of was already tonally in a weird place. And then uh, if you remember, they had a fire 
that started during a protest uh, at one of their locations in Atlanta. Uh, this was, uh, you know, after police brutality, after a um, a uh, police officer in Atlanta had shot and killed a black man uh, who was unarmed. Uh, and, you know, that man, Wendy's just, I, I mean... I feel bad saying this because I know there are humans behind it, but they they really botched it. Like they came out and said, we are going to dedicate our feeds to Black Lives Matter and to supporting these conversations. And this is really important to us. And then they just went silent. Like yeah. no tweet for, I don't even remember now how long it was. It was a while. It was like two weeks or something. And just so, so like you, it's the worst possible combo to come out and say, this issue is super important to us and we're going to be using our social media channels to amplify these, these messages of, of Black Lives Matter and then to not do it. Yeah, I know that like, uh, they promised so much and it was, it was looking well, like I think another incident happened within the BLM protest that it landed on their national roast day, right? So uh, when it was, when the protest happened, um, they ended up like canceling the national roast day. Like, Hey, there's pretty more important stuff that we should be talking about. Like right now it's not the time. And they rescheduled it, I think, or canceled it altogether. I don't, I don't remember getting roasted this year, but yeah, like that just promising to do good and not delivering. Yeah. Like, like it just really showed this year that I think some of the brands that had been developing a reputation for great social, um, you know, and, and really were strong out of the gate, uh, just kind of stumbled in certain ways while other brands saw an opportunity. I will give uh, Wendy's credit. Uh, they ended up doing some really cool stuff in the video game streaming space. Uh, I don't think we've talked about that on here, but they they basically, after they got so much attention last year for doing uh, some stuff in Fortnite, uh, that they came back this year and they did a lot of customization. It, it, basically, any video game where you can customize your character or your or your your sets, you know, your backgrounds, they did, you know, so they made Wendy's in Animal Crossing, in, um, you know, uh, uh, Street Fighter uh, Ultra 4, and just any game where you could make your own character, they made Wendy's. Uh, that was VMLY in Arkansas <laughs> City, the agency that was behind that. But they did this all year, and they ended up being, their Twitch stream is like in the top 1% of all Twitch streams. <laughs> People wanted to watch Wendy's make video game stuff. And I love that, like, compared to how was it burger king that like kind of hijacked a lot of streamers in their own stream with like donations and stuff like how wendy's did it is the way to do it like if you, they wanted to collaborate or anything like man i i was looking for that wendy's island code so i could go in airplane <laughs> to from animal crossing and visit them you know and that that to me is like a way better experience that even if I wasn't playing like during a workday, I had the Twitch stream up just like to watch it, to see like what they were doing. And I was like, oh, wow, they caught another seabed bass, you know, but uh, it's not necessarily like selling. In. And by the way, their how they decorated their house was like in game was so good. And there I think there were there was a part like, yo, where's your refrigerator? And they were like, we don't have frozen beef. Right. So that was like pretty cool that they even paid attention to that. Yeah. Well, we are uh, out of time, but uh, gosh, so many other, um, you know, stunts and activations we could talk about. But I feel like we've covered some of the bigger themes uh, that, that those of us who are really deep in and or at least care passionately about social media that made this year so both difficult and also very special. 
Um, and Julian, while well, I got you, and is the end of year, and I'm feeling like a big softy anyway, but I got to say, you are such a delight to work with every day. Uh, your passion, your curiosity, your ideas, your constant creativity, and your, your real, like people say the word community all the time, but like <laughs> the people who say the word community a lot rarely mean community, and you are community. Like, Julian, you are just such a... Uh, a perfect example, the kind of person who lives to connect other people and to hype up other people. And it's just been such a, an absolute joy uh, getting to work with you all year. No, thank you. And thank you for uh, approving all the crazy ideas Jay-Z and I have on social. Like that Slack channel, man, that's a mess, but it's so fun. So thank you for being supportive. Like that's really needed in, in today's world. And I'm super thankful you're you're willing to take the risk on some of the really crazy ideas that we have. Yeah, well, and, and Co had to run out, unfortunately, but uh, in absentia, I will say that Co uh, has just been, uh, you know, so fantastic uh, as a co-host on this podcast, as a co-worker. Uh, she obviously does a lot uh, outside of the podcast here and hosts a lot of, uh, you know, uh, events and everything else for Adweek while doing editing. And uh, her commitment to, again, to reflecting mental health and, and mental well-being and helping uh, keep other people uh, feeling heard and seen uh, is so wonderful. And so uh, sorry she couldn't stick around to to, uh, to hear that, but maybe someday she'll hear she'll hear this. So uh, and with that, thanks to, to you for listening. Uh, this uh, this podcast we are, well, <laughs> it freaks me out sometimes when I realize we're 208 episodes in. I think Julian, you're the only person who's listened to all 200. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I have a few of them bookmarked still. But uh, but I really appreciate uh, you for listening and uh, and reach out anytime. We're at podcast at adweek.com, podcast at adweek.com. I love hearing from folks. Um, and uh, and you can always find me on uh, Twitter at Griner. Uh, and uh, Julian, you are Julian Gumbo uh, on Twitter, right? That's right. Yeah. So, all right. Well, our theme music is by Home. This week's episode is produced by Co-M and edited by Lane McGibney. Uh, don't forget, you can reach us at podcast at adweek.com. And if you haven't already, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Those reviews mean a lot to us personally, and they help new listeners discover the show. For Adweek, I'm David Greiner, and we'll be back next year. <laughs> I'll see you in 2020, 2021, uh, even though I'll be writing 2020 on my checks for a while. So, uh, But we'll see you next year. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan.